For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Happy Monday, and welcome to the SEC Daily here at Southeastern 14. I'm Chris Lee, joined by my co-host Gavin Schoenhalder, or maybe we should call you Nostradamus. We'll get into the live ad in just a minute. Uh, our, our apologies yeah. to those of you watching an earlier version. We, we had a technical glitch. It was just beyond our control. The only way we could get through that was just to reboot, so we're going to Going to do a take two of this, and our apologies to you. We do respect your time, those of you who show up at 11 every day. Uh, again, this was, was something that was beyond our control, but we're going to make the most of it. Gavin, was not always the most interesting weekend of SEC football in terms of, of watching the games. It left a little bit to be desired. Yeah. But we did have some some takeaways from this, I, I think mostly uh, at, at Georgia and at Tennessee, to be sure. Both teams had had weekends to be proud of. Yeah, uh, and and now we get set for the stretch run where you've got really four SEC teams squarely in the mix for the playoffs at this point. I mean, squarely might be taking it a little far for for Ole Miss and LSU, but but there's certainly a path for both those teams. And so here we sit, a, a day away from Halloween, and I'm excited about what we're going to see going to the finish line. Yeah, getting coming down the stretch here now, and and. Yeah, not not the most exciting weekend of football. Uh, I think there was, you know, in that afternoon slot between, you know, in our conference of Georgia, Florida, and then a big one out west in Oregon, Utah, and a couple others. They were all kind of runaway blowout games. And so, uh, but still, a lot, lots of stuff to talk about today. Chris, you know, USC and AM, uh, Kentucky's passing game all of a sudden uh, being born finally, and uh, Auburn as well in that. Uh, but yeah, dominant for performance from from the big dog in, in Georgia this this weekend against Florida, and Florida came out to a hot start, and, and Georgia flexed their muscle the rest of the way, and you know left no doubt. And so, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, even though maybe it wasn't the most exciting weekend, but still some good weekends for for some specific fans out there of teams, and and really excited to dive into it today. Yeah, we're going to talk about some implications from what we saw this weekend. We'll get into several games. We'll lead off with Georgia, Florida, in, in just a minute. Uh, we'll also let Gavin have the, the space to brag a little bit about his predictions, which, my man, I, I, I poked a little fun at you for some of them, and, and guess what? I was wrong. So yeah. I'll let you gloat in just a minute. Uh, before <laughs> we do that, a reminder that our channel today, our show is brought to you by friends at Bet Online. The last of major pro sports leagues has kicked off. That's the NBA. Bet Online is your top spot for your NBA action all week. You got a buddy in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Good buddy. Good buddy. Um, with MLB postseason, which, by the way, that's getting interesting with the way the Diamondbacks are playing. NFL and college football and NHL in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. And by the way, speaking of trends and predictions, we're going to unwind maybe a little later in the week. Bet Online's odds for the college football playoff. Because mm. I think those are kind of interesting. So we'll, yeah. we'll get to that a little later in the week. Bet online uh, allows you to get everything for the NBA at your fingertips in both desktop and mobile access for every sport. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V 
receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, the game started with Auburn and Mississippi State this past weekend where, where you nailed one of your picks. And I, I think yeah. this is the one that I had the most problem with. Yeah. But, but you called Auburn's pack, passing game getting on track for sure. Yeah, well, let's what we're talking about here uh, is from last week, Thursday's show, I gave a list of bold predictions for this weekend. And look, they're called bold for a reason because they're not necessarily predicted to happen. But it's definitely something that could, you know, whether it's a trend or, you know, something to finally get over the hump. It's just, you know, some things that I identified last week. Uh, you know, if a team's had a chance to win the game, these these are the the things that need to happen. So, uh, you know, I gave a list for for AM and 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 um, South Carolina that kind of played the part out. Georgia, Florida, we, we we talked about someone needing to step up, Dominic Lovett, but really it was it was Lad McConkey. But the ones that I nailed that that Chris made fun of me for were these next two. <laughs> which was Mississippi State and Auburn and just talked about my bold prediction was Auburn's a different team at home and they find a way to win big as the passing game finally hits its stride. Holy smokes, that was the script of the game, wasn't it, right? Yeah. And, and the first two drives, literally I think the first two drives, Thorne was through for like a buck 20 and two touchdowns. You look up by the third quarter, he's in the 200s with three touchdowns. And, you know, we're seeing explosive touchdowns from Peyton Thorne in this Auburn offense of 25 plus 40 yards going over the top, something that we have not seen from this team all year. And so now that's clicked. You know, what does this look like moving forward? They got Vandy next week on the road. You know, a couple of the big one with Alabama. Look, they're, they're probably not going to beat Bama. But still, this the team that played this past weekend as the passing game comes alive gives them, you know, at least a shot uh, in the, the remaining schedule going forward. And then I talk, talked about, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky. I think Tennessee's defense was going to be so zeroed in on Ray Davis because, you know, Devin Leary and, and honestly has been in his receiving core has been a disappointment this year. You know, my prediction that game, I, I picked ten, I picked Kentucky to upset them, but I, I thought it would be by way of a career game from from Dane Key, Barry on Brown, and holy smokes, Devin Leary throws for 370. You know, Dane Key and Barry on Brown both have touchdowns, you know, individually. And so, you know, that that's stuff that we haven't seen all year. They're they're usually, you know, leaning on Ray to be that bell cow back. So some bold predictions that that you know either hit right on the money or or, or just off from this past weekend. But man, I now the pressure's on, Chris. I gotta, I gotta make sure this is a weekly thing. I can't be going 0 for four, 0 for six next week, man. If I'm, you know, four for six or whatever I was this past week, but still, great football, great predictions. Um, you know, we'll see if we can keep it going to this next week. Yeah, I feel like it's like you, you're going fishing and you've got a, a six pound test line, and next thing you know, you've, you've hooked a, yeah. a an eighty pound catfish, and you're not yeah. quite sure what you're going to do. I, I feel like. The, the point of bold predictions is not necessarily to get them right, but to maybe outline some things that, that if things go, if the dominoes line up, maybe you can nail a couple or get yeah. close and, and sort of paint a picture that's a little outside the box. But I don't think we actually expected you to go and nail most of these right <laughs> off the jump. So yeah, it was a, uh, maybe it was beginner's luck, but we'll see yeah. if I can keep it going. It's like the coaching equivalent of when you're in a rebuilding year and, and you go nine and three that first year when nobody's yeah. expecting. At that point, you've you've upped the bar to the point where you can only disappoint. That's right, man. You got it. I got to keep it going. I got to keep it going. <laughs> and you thought we were friends, didn't you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Now the pressure's on, man. man. Jeez. <laughs> in all seriousness, we we had some fun with that. We'll do that again this week, uh, since that works so well. Um, Florida, Georgia. That game kind of flipped in one play, the, the, mm -hmm. the snap to ETN where, the, where they tackle him in the backfield. Georgia takes over at the Florida 35 or whatever that wound up being. Uh, gets gets a touchdown in no time. 
tacks on another one a couple minutes later, then another one late in the quarter, and then blocks that punt and gets that safety. We talked about the path to victory for Florida being to continue to keep its defense off the field, and no team in this league has kept its defense off the field more than Florida in terms of plays it has run. But when Georgia flipped the momentum, and remember, Florida led that one 7 nothing early. Yeah. But as soon as Georgia made that play and just blitzed Florida with three pretty quick touchdowns, it, it was over. That that sort of ruined the form. I mean, look, you're, you're not going to beat Georgia down double-digit points most of the time anyway. But that, that kind of ruined the game flow situation for the Gators in that case. It did. And we, and we talked about game – I literally think we talked about game flow for maybe a whole chunk of 30 minutes of one of our mm-hmm. previous shows last week. And, and that got thrown out the window because – Georgia was basically able to dictate the terms of the entire game. You know, I also outlined keys to the game for Florida to win, talking about, you know, establishing the run game, third down percentage. And all those, those weren't horrible. I think Florida still ran for in the, in the hundreds. But you have the, the like you talked about, the turnover on downs in your own territory of trying to get cute, snapping it between the guy's legs all the way to ETN. You have a block punt that goes for a safety. Like these are things that you can't even afford at all, no matter how well you're playing offensively and defensively you know, against a number one ranked team. And so, you know, when those things started happening and then the, the touchdowns started piling up, it looked like it was really going to lean in Georgia's favor. And, and I got to give, give credit to, to Oscar Delp as well. He's the backup tight end mm-hmm. for for Brock Bowers. And, you know, Florida came out hot, came out juice, scoring first early. And then, um, you know, Georgia came down and, and Delp made a one-handed catch that really kind of secured confidence, not only in himself, but that, you know, Georgia is still Georgia and going to have the uh, playmakers all over the field. McConkey steps up in a big way, you know, scampering for a big touchdown. And, and, and you know, him and him and Lovett had had huge days and, and you know, long passes, I think, of 55 and 54, um, you know, big chunk plays to each of them. And so there's still guys. They don't have Brock Bowers, but they're still dudes catching the ball for Carson Beck. He's grown up a ton. Think about how the journey he's been on since the beginning of the season, how he looked a little bit shaky and, and, you know, maybe a little daunted, daunting in that Auburn road game earlier in the year and, you know, how much he's grown since then. And you're seeing the talent flash, the touch on on, on the fade balls of touchdowns. Um, and he's really coming into his own. And so teams grow, especially coming off a of bye week. You get to throw routes on air and really get in sync with your receivers. And you know, that's what they needed. It's also what Kentucky needed, you know, and, and Auburn really getting, getting, getting going. So, yeah, great week, great week of football. Um, but, man, Georgia – Georgia dominated. Best I've seen them look. I talked about Kentucky that looked really good, but man, did they look? They look ever so good this this past weekend. Yeah, you mentioned Carson Beck, and when we had done that Wednesday show or whatever it was, where we said, "Hey, if Florida's going to win this game, and this is the team that we felt was getting better, this is what it looked like." And one of the questions that I asked you, maybe it wasn't that show, maybe it was another show. I said, "Who do you trust to win a game more?" If this game goes in the fourth quarter, it's tied, and a quarterback's got to make a play to win the game. Who do you trust more, Uh Graham Mertz or Carson Beck? My answer was Graham Mertz because he had played so well. And Carson Beck, albeit he's having a really good season, and he's a very talented kid, and he's been in that system for forever. Yeah. But Graham Mertz is, a what, a fourth-year guy and a fourth-year starter, and Georgia just, let's face it, has not been in that spot a lot of times. Yeah. And, and even you know, in some of the games yeah. that have been close for Georgia, you're like, okay, let's cut to the chase. Georgia's right. going to win this, and we all know it. Yeah. 
Well, guess what? Not not that Graham Mertz was bad. Both of them had two touchdowns and no picks, but the stat line in this one wound up no competition. And again, that scenario never happened. Mm-hmm. Carson Beck d- didn't have to win them a close game in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but the reason Carson Beck didn't have to win them a game in the f- fourth quarter uh, among the reasons was Carson Beck, who was yeah. outstanding, 19-28 for 315, two touchdowns, no picks. That's a guy that averaged 11.3 per pass on Saturday, and you mm-hmm. were now seeing him on the board, although I think he's maybe eight or nine guys down, depending on where you look, is a Heisman candidate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, like, let's look at, you know, I, I just five minutes ago bragged about how I got these bold predictions right. Chris, you and I took Graham Mertz, and, you know, if you were asking me that today, I think I would take Carson Beck without hesitation. And so I got to give my props to the kid for having a big weekend and a great game. You know, but I think we took Mertz, Chris, not not necessarily for the whole game quarterback, but just, you know, tie game in the fourth quarter because, you know, he's really efficient, completes the ball at a super high percentage, and he doesn't turn the ball over. And so when you, you know, eliminate mistakes, the quarterback position, you give yourself the chance to win any game. That's why you and I took him, I believe. Yeah. But, man, this guy looks – the upside and the ceiling for 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 Carson Beck is, is so much higher, I believe, than Grand Mertz. The, the, the touch pass I, I saw um, – you know, and towards later in the game after it kind of already been decided, but, you know, perfectly floating in there, the control over the offense, the confidence, the poise. I just I just really remember watching him at that Auburn game early in the year, and it was, you know, his first start as a road test. He looked a little bit shaky. And, you know, Brock Bowers won that game for him in the fourth quarter. He totally took over and won it for him by himself. You know, now that guy is not there. Not only, you know, do they need him to be better, but, like, the guy that, that he usually depends on is not there. And so, man, I was just—I could not be more impressed with him. And and but, you know, who who are we to to judge, man? There's a reason Kirby Smart didn't go grab, you know, a, a starter in the portal. And you know, anybody in the country would would pick up the phone and and transfer their school to go start for Kirby Smart at Georgia, given you know the chance to win a national championship. But they sat tight, didn't panic, trusted in their guys. And man, I got to give them credit because you know they they obviously saw flashes. In previous years, you know, through spring ball, fall camp, where they said, you know, we don't need anybody else. This is our guy. Yeah. He was maybe a little bit questionable at the beginning of the year, shakiness, but man, has he grown? And and it definitely gives them a chance to to win it all this year, no doubt. I'm not going to call Carson Beck a, a game manager, but a lot of what you need your quarterback to do when you're Georgia is just not make mistakes. And yeah. this is where he is as we head into Halloween. He's completed 73% of his throws, almost nine and a half per throw, 14 touchdowns, four picks. And I think a couple of those picks came in, in spots where I'm not going to say Georgia had the game locked up, but but the chances of Georgia losing was pretty remote. Yeah. And, and look, here's the other thing about Georgia. I, I look at this and, you know, I, I don't know, does Georgia have the, the top duo receivers or, or top trio in – in the SEC when when everybody's well. I don't know. I mean, you, you could argue if you include tight ends, which yeah. Brock Bowers is not available right now. But when he is, you could say Bowers, McCaulkey, Levette, about as good as anybody's, and they mm-hmm. may be. Um, but here's the thing. You look at their receiving sheet, and even, even without Bowers there, you've got Marcus Rosenby Jack Saint, two catches for eight yards, Rara Thomas went for 19. Those are guys that are probably the one and two on most SEC teams, or at least half yeah. of them, or maybe the two and the three. Mm-hmm. And on this team, they're the 
they're the five and the six. It just yeah, just goes it's to an show. Embarrassment of riches. It, it is, yep. and and sometimes what's not in front of you doesn't get your attention because it's not in front of you. Sure, but that that's just a reminder of how deep this Georgia team is. You you lose Bowers, you figure those guys. Any other situation are going to be catching a ton of balls, and, and, yeah. and yet here we are where they're, you know, they're they're not even the first guys on the field. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also a testament to the culture and the competitive culture that, that Kirby's built there. I mean, it is it is cutthroat, you know, scrap and clawing for playing time. Like you said, there's guys who are catching one, two balls a game at Georgia, who would be a lot of other SEC teams' number one wide receiver, and so. You know, but what there there still has to be a number one, number two guy at Georgia. So the guys are going to scratch and claw and compete their tails off. And you know, we're just talking about the receiver position. I think this goes for for all positions, all twenty two positions in, on in that program. And so, you know, in the trenches, in linebacker position, there's there's always a Georgia linebacker or two that gets drafted every year. A Georgia edge that gets drafted every year. But look, all these guys that are getting drafted, there was somebody behind them at Georgia who was pushing them every single day. And so you can't be comfortable. And and that's how they've grown. And and you know continually gotten better as well throughout the rest of the season because you know they can play the second third guy because he's still pretty darn good and so yeah. that leads the first guy to, to even work his tail off anymore there's no type of entitlement there's no type of you know I'm the starter my job's locked up I think everyone in that program knows they need to go earn it every week and man they have they done it and that's why we've seen Georgia get better and better and better and now you know with their best performance of the year last weekend against Florida all right, uh, and file this one away under the the category of, of box scores can be a little misleading, although, although not really misleading because this guy looked great. If you were Kentucky and somebody tells you, all right, Saturday night, Devin Leary's going to go out there, sling it 39 times, hit 28 of them, 372 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. What, what are you putting the odds on that you win that game? I would say they went by ten plus, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that's, and then you're thinking you're thinking we're not losing that one, right? Yeah, no way, no way. And and yeah. like we talked about that, Chris, and we said in order to win this game, Kentucky's going to have to throw the ball. I, I didn't mean for three seventy and two touchdowns. I, I just meant for like two forty, two fifty, two sixty, like a respectable. I mean, they they blew it out of the water and and having explosive players and Barry on Brown and. And, and Dane Key as well. Um, you know, we just knew there needed to be other options besides Ray Davis because he's just done it all for him this year. Yeah. And so if you would have told me that box score and, you know, those two guys getting receiving touchdowns, I would have said, yeah, Kentucky probably just fired on all cylinders and then went up by, by 10 plus. But, but man, Tennessee found a way to win it. I was impressed with the way they utilized Joe Milton as a runner and, and just, just even like the, uh, you know, the, the quarterback stretch stuff, some of the zone read stuff that not, it's not like he was running like Lamar Jackson, but you know, eight, 10, 12, you know, those are big chunk plays that, that make your defense have to adjust. And, you know, I got to give, give my credit there. I thought Hypo called a great game, some, you know, wide open touchdown passes that are obviously, you know, schematic or whatever they're seeing up there in the box. And so I was impressed with Tennessee that, you know, they Tennessee, they're always going to run the football. They always run around the ball. There was a point there in the second quarter where Tennessee had run for a buck 52 in the second quarter and, yeah. and Kentucky had 30 yards of rushing. And so, you know, that's we're I think we're so used to seeing Tennessee's offense going back to last year, being spread out to the sidelines, you know, throw and catch and run. You know, Tennessee's a running football team. They are as much as they are a spread team that you think air raid and all this kind of stuff, or, you know, all that kind of started back with Chip Kelly in Oregon and Marcus Mariota and them is now carried over to basically the modern day, you know, offense. 
But Tennessee's done an unbelievable job of still, you know, their identity is running the football if you watch them and, you know, what they've been able to do. And so I got to give my credit to Hypo and his offense there and, you know, what this guy's, you know, done. The Tennessee defense is pretty stinking good as well, too. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's they're a, a really good team. If you talk about the top tier of this conference, you're talking Bama, you're talking Georgia, you know, LSU and, and is probably as above them still. But I mean, right, right there, Tennessee is right there. And, you know, all of all fans know this as well. In order to get over the hump, you got to start, you know, beating, beating Alabama and beating Georgia year in, year out, not just a one-off thing. But, man, I'm, I'm impressed with Heupel. I'm impressed with Tennessee. And that's a lot coming from a Vanderbilt guy, y'all. I'm, I'm telling you, I am. So, Well, Tennessee, we all know, wants to run the ball a little more than it throws it. And I think mm-hmm. they'd been, I don't know, 52 55% run coming in. Uh, that They went, what was it? I'll look at box score. 47 rushes, 21 passes. And there was some complaining that let Milton air it out a little bit more. And, and hey, he, he's 18 for 21 for 228 and a touchdown and no picks. And, first of all, I, I thought that the uh, the one he threw to Nimrod with the DB slip, that was a give me, but they took advantage of it. But here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We have seen Milton – be very uneven. He'll 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 come out looking like yeah. he's all SEC in the first half, and the second half can can be very pedestrian to, to be kind. Or sometimes it's the reverse that it's the first half he doesn't look good in. Point is he struggled to put together two great halves. That gave Tennessee the luxury, yeah, getting a ten nothing lead to to not have to find out. Mm-hmm. And, and when you yeah. got Jalen Wright going eleven for a buck twenty, um. Yeah, I mean, why? Why do you? Why do you need to change? Yeah, no, you're right, and 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 that's the luxury of starting of starting fast. It's so it's so important, and you know, we saw two teams this week start fast: South Carolina and Florida get the first touchdowns of the game, and end up getting beat by double digits. So it's not an always you know sure fact that if you score first, you you know you're going to win the game or anything like that. But but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that Milton is most comfortable when he's playing in rhythm and confidence. We saw that early in the Alabama game. Now, when, when Alabama pressed back at him, you know, it was a little bit of a different story. But, you know, on the, on the Kentucky side as well, I think falling down early, maybe whether it was a part of the game plan or not, forced them to open up the passing game. Right, Chris? And, and you know, kind of yeah. maybe try to score a little bit quicker. We talked about, you know, in order to win Kentucky, uh, Dane Key needs a career day. Hasn't had a 100-yard receiving game. Well, here it is. Seven receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. That was a bold prediction of mine from Thursday, but I thought for sure if that was going to hit. And, you know, you told me Barry on Brown scores too. And, you know, Leary throws for 370 that, you know, Tennessee wins that game by double digits. But sure enough, man, I got to give my give credit to the volunteers where it's due. They they made the plays where it happened. And, and you know, when the pressure did start mounting on, on, you know, when Kentucky started rolling there in the second half, a little bit almost reminiscent of what Alabama did a couple weeks ago. Tennessee slammed the door shut and, and, and locked it up. So got to get my credit there, learn from the previous week, and you know, see how that affects them moving forward. All right, let's wrap up a couple games. We touched on Auburn, Mississippi State. We talked about how Auburn had been better through the air. Something it needed to do was develop a passing game. I don't know if that's more about Auburn and Mississippi State. That secondary continues just to be awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, some talk about Zach Arnett being on the hot seat. Uh, State's got Kentucky this weekend and what's been a weird matchup. Kentucky never really wins that game in Starkville for whatever reason. Then you've got at A&M, Southern Miss, and and Ole Miss. Um, I I think Zach Arnett's going to need to do some damage down the stretch. 
So, so there's that one from the Mississippi State end. But let's move on because, frankly, I just don't think there's a lot to unpack in that game other than Jarquez Hunter getting yeah. going, which, again, that, that allows Auburn to get a game flow situation uh, going in its favor, what that defense plays, uh, that that's kind of what you want. You, you know, suddenly you can see the path to seven or eight wins uh, sure. for Auburn, potentially, depending on that Alabama game at the end. A&M, South Carolina, not, not the most exciting of games. South Carolina just could not get enough going on offense. The, the injuries yeah. are really taking a toll. A&M didn't really look great in that one. The, the first quarter and a half, that offense really sputtered, but they get three touchdowns in the second quarter, and that was really all they were going to need because it felt like the matchup between Rattler and what he had left on that offense against that defense was pretty one-sided. Yeah, and, you know, my, my bold prediction on Thursday was that you know, South Carolina would fall apart a little bit and AM would run away with it. it. It did look like that, but people would also forget it was a seven-point game in the second half. But, man, the story of this game was there was a point in the second quarter where Spencer Rattler was sacked multiple times and then had three intentional grounding penalties in one quarter. I mean, they Texas A&M's defensive line was possessed for the first quarter – or for the really for the first half and, and let it go. But, I got I mean, I got to give credit to USC too because – you know, they beat up Max Johnson as well, had three sacks in, in, in the first half, too. And so it was a little bit of a struggle, you know, protecting each, each team's quarterbacks. But, you know, in the end, AM's the team that found rhythm. To me, this this game, the story is Anaya Smith, the play he made, the yeah. explosive play, cutting across the I mean, that's that is the stuff. That's that's those are the people you recruit at Texas AM, the plays that those guys make. Like to me, that needs to be a weekly thing, not necessarily for yes. Smith, but he's one of those guys that can make those type of plays. And there's probably four or five of them on that roster, to be honest with you, Chris. And, you know, where has that been, that explosion where, you know, that's not coaching. That's not coaching. Look, it, it's coaching to get him open, but the guy breaking a tackle at the 30, spinning out and then cutting across the field and, and diving across the goal line, that's 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 Jimmy, that's Jimmy's and Joe's, and that's who you recruit. Yeah. And so that, and that's what, you know, Jimbo's hung his hat on. And so I got to give him credit there, but, man, it's just – it's such a season for AM of 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 what if because it just doesn't make sense. The the it's like a you know, you're an an ingredient list for a dish. They have every ingredient to make the and it just it hasn't it sucked. And so I'm trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. And they're finally doing it. But also, man, I you know, I gotta give I gotta just watching watching South Carolina as well. You know, Nick Harbor's a, a, a true freshman, big, big receiver for South Carolina was their leading receiver in this game. You know, Xavier will get three catches for 20 yards. That's not going to cut it. It's, it's not going to cut it. He, he is a dynamic, big receiver that is wide receiver one, really on any team in this conference. And, and you know, three catches for 20 yards and what we called, you know, a must-win game last week is, is, is not going to cut it. And so there's some soul-searching in Columbia. But, man, the flash that we saw from Anaya Smith and, and the defensive line from Texas A&M, if they could just find that consistency all year, that's the that's the type of dangerous team that that A and M could be. Vanderbilt will miss. We talked about that very briefly on our recap show on Saturday night. That one was starting about that time that that game hit the fourth quarter. Maybe uh, that that was never a game. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss scored ninety nine seconds in, led seven nothing. Was up twenty six nothing at half. Uh, just didn't really need to do much from there on. Vanderbilt, that was an awful offensive game plan. I don't know what they were doing 
going back and forth with quarterbacks, with, with Ken Seals and with Walter Taylor, who'd never played. Uh, things things looking bleak for Vandy. If you're Ole Miss, though, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden that scenario that Ole Miss fans have thrown out, which is, hey, what's our path to the playoff without getting to the SEC title game? Uh, that that's not quite as far fetched as it as it was. We'll do another day where we do playoff odds. Yeah. Uh, but just as a teaser, let me give you Ole Miss as, as of this morning. FPI has got Ole Miss at what is it? Six percent. I, I think that I was looking at Bet Online. I'm not sure they're on the board there. Probably ought to be. But here's the thing: if you're Ole Miss, okay. You take care of Texas A&M at home this weekend, which I think they will, but it won't be easy. You go win at Georgia. You beat ULM. You beat Mississippi State. At that point, Alabama would have to lose twice because you got a you got a tie with Ole Miss there. Ole Miss has the tiebreaker with LSU. Um, not looking likely for the Rebels to get to the title game because of that head-to-head loss with Alabama. And I just don't know if Alabama is going to lose two games, although Auburn mm-hmm. could do it. Uh, but point is, say Ole Miss wins all those games and doesn't go to the SEC title game, hey, uh, yeah. d- depending on what happens elsewhere, that's one of those you go into selection Sunday where you're thinking, hey, maybe maybe we got a shot. Yeah, I think maybe they got a shot. I think to me, there's like this kind of weird love triangle going on between Georgia, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, right? Because Ole Miss, if I'm Ole Miss right now, I'm feeling pretty darn good about where I'm at. My offense is playing well. Defense is playing better than 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 years past. And, you know, you have a tall task in front of you where you got to walk into Athens and find a way to beat the Georgia Bulldogs, the back-to-back national champion. Is that going to happen? It's probably not. It's probably not going to happen. Georgia's got a game at home. Ole Miss hasn't played well on the road or as well as they have at home. You know, we're talking about laying an egg at Alabama with the ginormous opportunity and then, you know, a seven-point game against an average Auburn team in Jordan-Hare. And so Auburn ha- – or Ole Miss, excuse me, already hasn't played as well on the road as they have at home. Not only that, but you're going to a place where a team plays really well at home in Georgia and, like I said, back-to-back national championship. But if Ole Miss finds a way to that win that game, then you have Georgia going to Neyland with an S- with SEC East on the line, I believe, Chris. Is that correct? Because then you, you would have Georgia with one loss. And if Georgia loses that game in Neyland, they have two losses. Tennessee has two losses and wins the tiebreaker over Georgia because they beat them. Yeah. And so there's a weird little love triangle developing right now, y'all, between Ole Miss, Georgia, and Tennessee. And if I'm a, if I'm a volunteer fan, I am I'm all eyes on that uh, game in, in Athens between Ole Miss and in Georgia because, or even, even Missouri this weekend. I mean, we're, I'm skipping over Mizzou. And yeah. so, you know, Georgia, look, I don't want to call it a gauntlet, but they're playing some pretty, pretty tough teams. It's kind right of a gauntlet right yeah, now. Yeah, a little bit, run down the stretch here. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting because if, if Georgia drops one, especially before the game in Neyland, that place is going to be bananas. That place is yeah. going to be absolute bananas and, and with a chance to, to get to Atlanta. And so, that that little love triangle, I could see it developing. It, it, it's stuff that you know, as, as a player, and and when you're talking hypotheticals and looking at the conference as a whole, you see develop. I, I I saw a smidge of it last week, but now, especially with the way and Ole Miss is playing confident, and they look like they're really taking on the identity of of Lane Kiffin of their coach, and so it's just going to be really interesting if Georgia finds a way to drop one, whether it's Ole Miss or Mizzou, before they go to Neyland, that game. 
that game is going to be going to be a nutty one. And so, look, I, I know it's many weeks ahead, and we have a lot of a lot of time to talk about that. But you know, there's some interesting stuff developing as as we head towards the finish line here, Chris. You're right. Uh, you're catching some flack in the uh, in the comments here. You're 0 and 1. I don't know what that's about, but I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't. I don't look at the comments while we're going on show, but that's all right. Yeah, we st- we started the show with how you nailed your bold projections, but yeah. uh, we got somebody yeah. out there picking flaws. Yeah. All right. Also, um, I also did not say that Florida would beat Georgia. Uh, did not say Ole Miss <laughs> would beat Georgia. So, sounds we got some selective hearing, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna go over bold projections in a minute. Want to want to trot out some things that ESPN put out this morning, or maybe it was yesterday. Uh, before we do that, a quick shout to two of our other sponsors. Chomps is a go-to snack for you after your workout, halftime, whenever. It has got a trial pack with six different flavors. Uh, try that. It's got all three proteins. Delicious. They don't last long around the Lee household. They are gluten-free, free of nine of the top allergens, no hidden harmful ingredients. So it tastes good. It gives you your protein boost, and it's good for you. I mean, what's not to like there? Plus, you get 15% off. So go check out the promo code that you can see in the ticker. I believe that is SE14. Get 15% off your Chomps order. You'll be glad you did. Okay, MyPerfectFranchise.net also is sponsoring this show. If you're sick of working for someone else, looking for a better life that you can live more of on your terms, and I mean, aren't we all? Um, America's overworked, tired, hard to find time to spend with your kids for, for whatever. My Perfect Franchise and Andy Ludicky can help you with that. Um, what you do is you go to Andy. He'll help you find your perfect franchise based on your goals, your dreams, your skills, your financial requirements. A wonderful human being. He will spend time with you. It is all free of charge. He will sit down and take an inventory of your skills, what you want out of life and then match you with one of the many franchises they've worked with. He's helped hundreds of people on to bigger and better things. Call him, 404-973-9901. Fill out a free questionnaire to get started. I've got to know Andy, just a tremendous human being, great at what he does, can, can very much help you get to where you need to be in life. So help out those who help our show. Give MyPerfectFranchise.net a look if you're looking for something else with your life. All right. Bowl projections. This is according to ESPN and they've got Kyle Bonagura, Mark Schleyball, both weighing in. Um, both of them have Georgia and Michigan in the national title game. Both of them have Georgia and Washington in the sugar bowl to get there. So Georgia has kind of risen to the top as a college football playoff favorite. Wasn't exactly hard to predict, although certainly not certain by any stretch, as we have outlined. All right. They have got – Kyle Bonagura's got Alabama and Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, if you didn't catch it. Oklahoma took a big loss to Kansas this weekend in, sure. in Lawrence. Uh, let's see, Kyle – I'm sorry, Schlebach has got Alabama versus Notre Dame, a really good two-loss Notre Dame team in the Peach Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, Alabama, according to ESPN, sort of on that fringe looking out. It was always going to be a tough needle to thread mm-hmm. it, once Alabama lost to Texas. But, you know, look, Crimson Tide's still squarely in it. I, I think that Georgia's performance this weekend, uh, people are really buying that more, uh, making Georgia's the team to beat than Alabama at this point. 
Yeah, I think, look, the SEC's team in the college football playoff is going to come down to the game in Atlanta. And right now that's looking, especially after last week, it's looking like it's going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. And and between the the they were in sync on offense between, you know, Beck and then now Delp, who's the backup for Bowers, still playing at a high level. Love it. Um, McConkey. And, you know, we're talking about Georgia's offense, not Georgia's defense, which is just you know, ferocious and violent and, you know, able to make plays all over the field. And so the SEC's bid in this playoff is going to come down to that Atlanta, that Atlanta championship. And, and you know, I, I do believe it's going to be Georgia. I thought it might have been Alabama, especially after the way, you know, they've looked. And talk about a team that's grown through the season. Holy smokes. Um, that team's came, you know, light years from what they were. But, you know, Georgia's getting better too. And, and, and you know, right now it looks like the better team. So that's probably where, where my uh, intuition would go, Chris. All right, some of the lower-tier tier bowls we've got. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Somebody had Auburn in the Gasparilla Bowl, and I can't find it now. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, that was Kyle Bonagura, Auburn versus Liberty. Now, that'd be interesting, Auburn and mm. Liberty. Hugh Freeze's old team. That'd yeah. be on December 22nd, so that's a pre-Christmas game. Uh, Bonnegear's also got Mississippi State and Troy in the Birmingham Bowl. As he State would have to beat two of these four: Kentucky at A and M, Southern Miss, Ole Miss. Not sure I'm buying that, uh, yeah. but but somebody is. We've got as I scroll down. I think most of the other games are going to be New Year's or around that time involving the SEC. And, boy, those those are going to be top-heavy. Duke against Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl. Montegura's got North Carolina and Florida in the Gator Bowl. I'm, I'm not buying that one. I don't know that Florida can win enough to get there, but we'll see. Uh, the Liberty Bowl, um, Kyle Montegura's got West Virginia and Missouri. That, that seems selling Missouri low. That seems selling Missouri really low. Really yeah, I, I I don't I don't know that I buy that one. And Iowa State and Kentucky and Liberty Bowl. Now that that I can buy. Hmm. Uh the Music City Bowl, both of them have Tennessee in the Music City Bowl. That that one's a little surprised too. I, I thought Tennessee would be playing probably for a little bigger stakes. No, no knock to the bowl game in our backyard, but I, I thought I'd see Tennessee in a in a Gator Bowl or ReliQuest, something like that. Yeah. No, I agree. I guess they're assuming that. Georgia's going to beat them. They're a three-loss team, and you know maybe they find a way to lose another one against you know Mizzou or something. But uh, you know we'll see. We'll see. We'll see with that. It, look, these are projections for a reason. They're not going to happen. Um, yeah. You know we still got a lot of ball left to play, but definitely interesting to talk about. The ReliQuest Bowl. Uh, Bonagura's got Wisconsin and LSU in that one. Please no. Uh, Schleyball's got North Carolina and LSU. New. I, now I'll take that. I'd, I'd like to see the, those two quarterbacks duke it out. Yeah. Yeah, that I think I think one you said earlier too was, did you say Texas A and M and Duke? Did you say that one? I think you said yeah, that? yeah. That's interesting too. Mike Elko was the defense coordinator yes. with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A and M, and is now doing a tremendous job at Duke. You know what does that look like? Is Jimbo even there for the bowl game? And I think yeah, good, so. Good, good call. Weekend, but but we'll see, we'll see. Um, but interesting matchup there, especially from a coaching position uh elko come kind of coming up under under jimbo and now leading his team done doing an unbelievable job over there at duke yeah I, I glossed right over that one uh not not intentionally but there's been a lot of talk on mike elko potentially going back to texas a&m all right last one the cheese at citrus bowl that that name just does not work for me sorry 
uh, Iowa and Ole Miss, please no. Yeah. Uh, uh, both, that, both of them had that all that. That's the um, – Can can Iowa score enough? No, it, Iowa cannot <laughs> score enough, which is why I don't want that to happen. That that yeah. is that is completely uninteresting to yeah. me. So give me give me Ole Miss and Oregon somewhere, man. I want to see the punter stay at Ooh, home. Ooh, I like that. I want I to like see the punter stay at home, and I want to see Dan Lanning. And it's, I mean, that dude. I would play for that dude tomorrow. Fierce, in your face, coach, and versus Kiffin, who's the you know the smooth criminal. That could be a fun little matchup for sure. So Ole Miss feels like under Lane Kiffin, it should be in the Pac-12 almost. A little bit. Look, and that's no dig. I hope before people come run at us. I, I, no, I hate Pac-12 is a great league. Yeah, this no, year. I, I hear you. I think there's some there's yeah. some merit to that in terms, and more so in the way that they function and their identity as a team. I think yeah. that's what you're trying to say. I think that they're you know a quality team is better than a lot of teams in those conferences. But yes, you're right. They're kind of like laid back, little kind of surfer vibes a little bit, right? Like a little Pac-12 team. But man, they're um yeah, Ole Miss is packing a punch. I think this is this could be. The best result, you know, we'll see what happens down the stretch. But for Lane Kiffin, Old Miss could be. We'll see. All right, we are done for the Monday episode of SEC Daily here at Southeastern Florida. We're back tomorrow on Halloween. Uh, Gavin might be sporting a different look. We'll have to have to wait and see. I might be too. We'll uh, see. We'll see. Could be fun. Could tune be. in for that, or or tune in for the football talk. That's probably your better reason to tune in. But anyway, yeah. hope hope you do. Best way to make sure you do, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and enable your notifications. Again, we're sorry about today. Uh, we, we did have a previous version of the show that we started and had to get out of because of a technical glitch. So we apologize for that. But back at it on Tuesday, 11 Central. For Gavin Schoenwald, I'm Chris Lee. This is the SEC Daily at Southeastern 14. God bless you. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you again on Tuesday. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.